Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi there, you're listening to More Than Potential, the podcast. On this show, we talk about mental health, well-being, and self-improvement from a Gen Z perspective. I'm your host, Faith. Hey guys, how's it going? So I want to talk about Malcolm and Marie. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Malcolm and Marie is a Netflix original movie that was directed by Sam Levinson. Well, I guess I pronounced that weird. Sam Levinson? Sam Levinson is the guy who produced Euphoria, I think, or was director for Euphoria. And Malcolm Marie stars Zendaya, who was the star of Euphoria, basically needs no introduction, and John David Washington. John David Washington is like Denzel Washington's son, and they sound very similar sometimes. So I think you can definitely hear his father's influences in the way that John David talks. But yeah, John David has his own um, catalog of movies like Tenet and um, I think, what was another movie he was in? It was another one, uh, Black Klansman. Yeah, that's right. It was Black Klansman. Sorry, guys. My cat, I can never have him in the room with me because every single time I try to record with him in the room, he loves to say hello. So Ice gives his regards. There's nothing wrong with him. He just wants attention. So moving on. <laughs> yeah, so John David Washington is Denzel Washington's son, and he is also in this film. This movie went viral on TikTok. Everyone had an opinion. Everyone was talking about it. And I thought I would do a episode on it because I have a lot to say. As someone who has been in a shitty relationship before, a toxic relationship, I I think I think I got something. I think I got something for y'all. I got some opinions about this movie. But before I get into it, if you love this podcast and you want to support, please rate it five stars if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me. Share it with your friends and family and people that you like, maybe people that you don't like. Um, it really helps and it's a good way to support me and get more of this sort of content if you like it. So, that being said, let's get started. If you hear Ice in the background, it's because I kicked him out of my room and he is very upset about it. So ignore his cries. There's nothing wrong. He just wants attention. As you know, cats are really melodramatic. There's nothing I can do about it at this point. It is what it is. So, Malcolm and Marie. I truly think this is probably going to end up being some spoilers just because to go into a bit more detail about the movie I need to be more specific about what was said by the character. I'm going to do my best to make sure I don't ruin every single aspect of the film but maybe you want to watch it for yourself. If you do then I would say wait on this episode and then double back because it's going to make a lot more sense when you watch it. But if you don't care about that if you're someone who just likes to get spoilers, if you like 
hearing reviews and people talking about it, then definitely this is the space for you. Like I said, not trying to ruin the whole episode, but I am going to talk about a few things that I saw, that I noticed that maybe you may not want to know if you're invested in seeing the film. So that being said, the disclaimer is out of the way. I think that if you want to watch a movie like Malcolm and Marie, then clearly it's not something that you should watch with your partner because it's not really a love story. Um, it's definitely like a movie that's supposed to like challenge you and make you think. It's a critique of modern relationships and also a critique of the film industry, which I thought was pretty cool. Now, as you guys can tell, definitely the leads are both black. So like that does provide some much needed context for the things I'm going to talk about in this episode. Let's start with the characters. Marie. Marie is played by Zendaya. Marie is like this woman who has a troubled past and she's with this man who was older than her. There is an age gap between the characters and both John David Washington and Zendaya in real life. So that is part of the characters and their interactions with each other. Um, I feel like Marie's character is someone who is like a codependent in a way, um, just in the sense that the way that John David Washington or Malcolm talks to her reminds me of someone who would just tolerate being talked to in a derogatory way. It's weird because she would call him out on when he would belittle or degrade her, but like she would never really fight back. She would just engage in behaviors that would further push him to degrade and humiliate. It wasn't like there was a point where she was like, I'm going to leave. Because girls like Marie never do. They just stay in the relationship. And I know this is sad, but it's true. Like women who are caught up in these toxic cycles with narcissists like Malcolm tend to not leave. They tend to just stay. Um, and I think the problem with Marie was that she was like superficially empowered. Like in the sense that she would talk back. She said what she had to say. She was very direct um, the entire film is just like this argument, this extended argument between the two. And they pull no punches. Like they're constantly saying these harsh truths that I don't think couples really have, honestly. Like telling each other the brutal truth is like tough. And I think that the reason why most couples don't do that is because there is some semblance of having love for one another. And I think with Malcolm and Marie... The toxic part superseded the love. So you just don't get that kind of raw conversation between couples because people care about their partners. They're not going to say something to deliberately and intentionally hurt the person they're with. And there were many times where I felt like Malcolm was not trying to hurt her. Like he was trying to really like dig the knife in deep. And so that was part of my problem is that Marie is a typical codependent. Like she needs Malcolm, but Malcolm does not need her, right? Malcolm keeps her around for his own ego, right? And Marie knows this, but it's still not enough to make her leave, right? Marie is a codependent because she spends the majority of the movie begging Malcolm for something she should never have to beg for gratitude. She doesn't feel like Malcolm really appreciates her. And so the entire film, it's like her begging for him to see her. 
begging for him to to appreciate her, you know? And I think that's just stereotypical codependent hate behavior. Like with my ex-boyfriend, my only true ex-boyfriend, um, I feel like I spent so much time having these toxic conversations with him. And I felt like in ways, especially towards the beginning of our relationship, because we kind of broke up and got back together, then broke up and got back together several times. But the first few times, it was like I was begging for him to see me, to, to, to see that I was adding value to his life, that I was important, that I mattered to him. I was begging for that sort of attention and validation. And so when you begs a man to see you, you're guaranteeing that he doesn't respect you. You're guaranteeing that he's going to take you for granted and see someone that's not of real use to him. He's going to use you for what you can do for him now, but you're not going to be the person that he's afraid to lose because you had to beg. Narcissists don't, don't respect people who beg. They like a challenge. So anyway, I think that with Marie, she's a typical codependent in my opinion. And codependents are not necessarily people who take everything lying down. Like, there's this narrative that if you're in a toxic relationship as a codependent, you just do whatever the person says. And that's not always the case. Becoming a codependent, that relationship that you have with someone who's more toxic and like a narcissist, what makes the situation problematic is the fact that a codependent has to be forced to leave under dire circumstances. They have this void, this, um, this self-loathing really that keeps them with someone who can never give them what they need. Codependents are constantly triggered, but they never leave the person who's doing the triggering. So the person who's a codependent may argue and fight and yell, but they're still trapped in that situation. They're never going to leave. They're clearly unhappy and they're still going to stay. And so, you know, as someone who has been a codependent in my, in, you know, in my own relationship, I have seen where I was not willing to leave. You know, it was the obvious choice, but still not the one I was willing to make. I rationalized and I would create situations in my mind to justify what was happening. I created this whole false reality to kind of make what was happening okay. And I would even put on a front for other people to make it seem like I was going to leave or that I could leave. But deep down, I still wasn't able to. I was still making excuses for why I had to stay. And it's because I was so attached to the idea of that person loving me. I just desperately needed to prove that this person loved me and that I could win. And so by sticking around, I was allowing for this person to abuse and degrade me and disrespect me and humiliate me all the time. Just so eventually one day, I could finally get this person to admit that they truly loved me and cared for me. And that's what I would win. I kept telling myself that, well, essentially, once this person, you know, shows that they really love me and that they can't let me go, that's what I'm leaving because I want, I have a point to prove, right? I was trying to prove that I was lovable. I was trying to prove that like a man could care for me romantically. And all I ended up doing was just putting myself in situations with someone who would, in, who would hurt me who would say things that were hurtful, that were mean. And that person doesn't love you. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, that's what I, and that's part of what I think is wrong with Marie. Um, Marie has some self-loathing, probably due to the shame 
of her past life that she had lived. And I think that that's a huge component in someone who is a codependent. Some codependents do have that shame and guilt or embarrassment. or It's something with the self-loathing that keeps you with someone that truly does not respect you or care for you, right? Because I think the more self-loathing you have, the more you want or you feel like you should be punished. You don't feel like you're worthy of good or nice things or someone truly loving you. You have no concept of what love really is because you don't even love yourself. Usually people who are codependents have this like negative self-talk thing too, I've noticed. So like you don't really know how to truly treat yourself well. And so I think it's sad because I, I can relate to that too. You know, there were definitely times where Marie just sit there and took stuff that Malcolm was saying. And I was like, girl, why are you taking that? Why are you taking Malcolm throwing at you in an argument the the most hurtful, traumatic parts of your life? He's literally throwing that in your face and you're not going to say anything. You're not going to walk away. You're just going to sit there and take that. And I can relate to that. I can relate to having someone throw something in my face, make fun of something that's deeply traumatic for me and turn it into a joke. Like that happened to me. Um, and I've never told anyone about that, but long story short, I never really told my ex-boyfriend what was up with my dad and why we were estranged, but he knew that we were estranged, right? He knew that me and my dad, when he, he was still alive, my father's dead now, but back when my dad was still alive, I was still with my ex-boyfriend and my ex-boyfriend knew that me and my father were estranged, but I never told him why. I don't think I've ever told anyone why. But, you know, just estranged. And so there was a point where I was going to an event with my ex. And out of nowhere, like we were having a conversation and my ex made a joke about me not having a dad and how that was so stereotypical. And I just kind of looked at him. Because that's a serious, that's like a source of trauma for me. Like, it's not like if you had dated someone for months, you wouldn't know that that's a sore subject with that person. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just some things that you really shouldn't joke around about. If you, if the person has never even talked to you really about it much or whatever, like, what would make you think that's something to joke about? I can't remember specifically what he said, but I do remember how I felt. And I felt so disrespected and I felt disgusted because, like, why would you throw someone's trauma in their face? The difference between me and Marie is that I never went into detail about my trauma with anyone, you know, because it just wasn't worth it to me and so there was a level of like not trusting my ex-boyfriend that I had at the time that I didn't realize was what it was so you know in that moment when he threw that in my face and laughed and then realized that I was not laughing that it was actually hurtful he realized he fucked up and he was scared because he, he thought is she gonna break up with me like this is probably when she's gonna break up with me and I didn't break up with him there were several times where he did and said something that technically I should have broke up with him over. And I didn't. And so he lost this ability to, to truly fear that his bad behavior would result in me leaving him. I do believe that. I do believe there were plenty of times where I missed the opportunity to earn his respect and by walking away from a toxic situation. And I didn't do it. So when I finally did, he was surprised because I he'd crossed so many boundaries so many times. He was like, what do you mean you're leaving? He couldn't fathom why telling me what he told me would make me want to leave the relationship. So those of you don't, most of you don't even know why I broke up with my ex-boyfriend, but I'm not going to talk about that now. I'll talk about that in a little bit. 
So I'll, I'll get around to it, I promise. So that being said, that's how I feel about Marie. Let me tell you how I feel about Malcolm. Um, okay, so with Malcolm, what makes him toxic is the fact that like he has no self-awareness at all. Like he was so casually degrading Marie and saying, you know, that she was crazy and that she was a mental patient. No good person who knows that you struggle with your mental health is going to throw that in your face in an argument. That is so toxic, bruh. That is so incredibly toxic. And the fact that he said that to her and we weren't even three minutes into the movie, I was like, wow, this man is really trying to throw in your face, your trauma, your mental health? Seriously, your mental health issues are up for discussion? That's a that's crazy. And so seeing how casually he said that and the movie had literally just started, I was like, okay, this guy has no remorse. Like none, no true remorse. Like, do you really love someone if you're willing to throw in their face the harsh realities of their life? That's nuts. And so, you know, I can say that he, from the jump, I saw that he was very self-absorbed. He talked about himself all the time in the movie. Um, he had these huge monologues where he would just go on a tangent, a role, and not even engage with, with Marie. It's like she wasn't even there. And, you know, I see that a lot with narcissists. They like to just hear the sound of their own voice. But, yeah, I just think with Malcolm, it was just crazy how he would take, and this is one thing that made him so toxic. He would take a situation that was straightforward and try to twist it and make it into something that it wasn't. He was a master manipulator and gaslighter. I can tell, actually, that I have been gaslit and manipulated before because for a split second in the film, I felt like I was being manipulated into trying to, to, to believe a version of events that didn't really happen. And so for me, I was just kind of like, bruh, it was a mind fuck. For me, it was a mind fuck. And that's how I know that I've been a victim to that multiple times in my life because just, you know, being and witnessing that character, Malcolm, I started to see like all the ways in which I have been indoctrinated to like be um, gaslit. I'm so, I'm still victim to that. I've been gaslit by multiple men in my life, right? Multiple guys I've dated, they've gas tried to gaslight me about things. And it was so, it caused so much of a crisis for me. Like, um, for example, one guy that I dated, not my ex-boyfriend, but another guy that I dated, um, I didn't end up, you know, getting into a relationship with him. But the reason why was because he kept trying to force me into being in a relationship before I was ready. Like, he was basically love bombing because he wanted to be in a relationship and kept pushing for it since the first date. Like, he would not even give me six weeks. He couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't do it. He needed me to be exclusive and only his after three weeks of knowing each other. And kept bringing it up as if, you know, I was going to change my mind a week later. And it was nuts because he didn't know me that well. We had only been on one date, one official date. And so, you know, I tried to point out these things to him and he gaslit me about it. It made it seem like, well, I know everything there is to know. And, and that, you know, I know enough to want to be with you. And I was like, no, you don't. You don't know anything about me. And so, you know, beyond that, we had a huge argument about the issue because he was upset that I was, 
you know, entertaining other men. And it wasn't that even I was talking to these guys because I really wasn't. It was the principle that he was upset about. He was upset at the principle of me talking to other men while talking to him as if I was promised to him and we were exclusive and whatever else. And I'm like, dude, we're not in a relationship. We're not. You've asked me multiple times and every single time I gave you a dodgy answer. What about that means I'm ready? What about that means I'm ready to commit? If I told you to give me six weeks and you refuse to do that because you want to force the issue, you don't care about me. And I would even try to tell him the reason why I was so concerned and why I wanted to take my time. And he still wouldn't listen. He didn't care. He wanted what he wanted when he wanted it. And the huge fight happened because once he found out that I wasn't giving in and that I still talked to other dudes and I wasn't going to be bullied into something, he made it seem like I didn't take the situation seriously and that I had basically fooled him when he knew technically he could not accuse me of that because I never agreed to that. So anyway, it caused this huge fight. And when I told him, I reassured him that I did like him and I did want to be with him. And I said, if you want me to stop talking to these guys, I'll stop talking to them. Like, seriously, I will stop talking to them and I'll only talk to you and we'll just be in a relationship because I want to dead the issue. I do. Like, it's not that I don't like you. Not liking you is not the problem. I just need more time to trust you. And he was like, well, now I feel like I bullied you into it. And I'm like, yeah, you did. You argue with me for for an, almost an hour over this. And when I give you what you say you want, because you break me down to the point where I feel like I have to, now it's, well, I don't want to guilt trip you into it. You know, I don't want to do it. I don't want you to do it because you're forced to. It's like, well, asking me multiple times and getting to a big argument with me about it is definitely forcing me. It's forcing the issue. And what made it even worse was that besides the fact that he he tried to be bullied me into saying something that he wanted me to say and then turned it down. He then went and basically made it seem like um, when I asked him if we were okay and if we could work through the issue, because really he knew that I liked him. The problem was not that I didn't like him. And he knew that the problem was that I wasn't ready to be in a relationship just at that time. And so he basically said that um, when I asked him if we were okay if we still had a chance to work through it or talk through the situation, he was like, I can't promise that. I'm not sure anymore. I need time to think. I was like, think about what? What are you thinking about? Like, dude, you have a girl who wants to be with you and who likes you, but needs a little bit more time to make sure that this is what it is and that you're not going to just change your mind. And I even told him exactly why I felt that way in previous relationships and situations I'd been in where I needed because of the situations I had been in, I needed more reassurance and I needed more time to be certain that everything was going to work out. And so when he refused to like, just talk to me and be like, yeah, like this is something we can work through. He made it seem like it was an unforgivable offense. Me having two conversations with a man, with two different men on a dating app and not even long conversations. Literally, it was like me saying hello on Bumble. The other guy saying, hello, how are you? And me saying, good. That was the extent of the conversation. So he was acting like I had sex with other men and I was going on dates. None of that happened. It was literally just me being on the app, the same app we met on. And so, you know, it was very frustrating because I felt so gaslit. Like I was crying and everything. 
And the reason why I was so upset is because it was triggering for me. It was triggering for me to try to express my feelings. And every single time I'm expressing how I feel, the person's refusing to listen to me and trying to make me feel bad. And I'm like, dude, like, I'm telling you what I know. I'm trying to be transparent with you, but it feels like I can't even reach you right now. And so, you know, I just remember from that situation feeling so incredibly frustrated and drained and tired. And the fact that the person that I cared about and I was truly trying to make things work with was like, actually, I don't, I need time to think. I don't know if we can do this. When you literally bullied me into saying that you wanted me to be, that you, that I want, I, he bullied me into saying that we should be in a relationship. And then as soon as I say that, he plays his games and says that, well, actually, no, we shouldn't. And what was manipulative about this manipulative about this entire thing was that, you know, oh, like I would say three or four days after that huge fight, we came to a consensus and I was like, OK, we can be in a relationship under these terms. And he said, OK, we can be in a relationship under these terms. And he tells me his terms. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like he literally was like, after all of that, after all that fighting and arguing, he's like, I don't know if I can trust you anymore. And I'm not sure if this is going to work, but if we're going to date, then that means that like, I'm going to see other people and you can do what you want. I'm not saying you don't, you, I'm not saying that I want you to see other people, but you can see other people. I'm just going to see other people and we'll see how this plays out. And I was like, what? You started a whole ass argument, an hours long argument. And then you say you want me to want to be together. And when I say, well, let's just be in a relationship and just get it over with. And he, then it's, well, actually, I'm just going to start seeing other women and you can do what you want. Um, I would prefer if you didn't see anyone, but if you do, then I have no right to tell you not to. Y'all see how manipulated that is? It makes no fucking sense. You can't start an argument like that and then come back and manipulate the person that's doing what you want them to do and then try to punish them retroactively by saying, well, now you want the relationship and I don't. And I'm going to make you wait until I feel ready to be in one with you. So manipulative. So long story short, I've been in that situation before and it's emotionally taxing. So watching Marie sit there and having to take that from, from Malcolm was like ridiculous. Cause I was like, girl, you don't have to take this. Just walk away. Like that's not healthy. Men are not supposed to talk to you like that. And what makes it so bad is that I never got talked to the way Marie did. Like, yes, I've had um, men say sly things to me to try and make me insecure about myself or doubt myself or whatever. Because my ex was really good at that. My ex was the only guy I dated who would say things to kind of like little stuff to make me feel bad about myself. Little stuff to, to basically make me second guess if I looked good or if I was smart or whatever else. Like it was like little things to chip away at my confidence. And so that was little slick stuff. Marie was literally getting bullied in the relationship. And the man was like, Malcolm was literally telling her that you're crazy. You're a mental patient. You're fucked up in the head. Like, why would you talk to your partner that way? And so to see Marie sit there and take it was just crazy. But furthermore, you know, the thing with Malcolm was that he was so comfortable doing it. Like, it was so easy for him to just sit there and bully and berate her like there was a whole scene where he was just calling her out and dragging her while eating mac and cheese he was eating macaroni and cheese and just being so mean to her and then there was a point where in the movie and this is like an infamous scene where you know marie is sitting in a bathtub taking a bath and then 
Malcolm comes into the bathroom and just starts laying it on her. I mean, he wails on her. And he doesn't physically hit her. He verbally just, like, does a number. And, you know, it's interesting, like, from a visual perspective, because Malcolm in that scene is fully clothed. Malcolm, the entire time, had a suit on. But throughout the movie, Marie goes from wearing a dress to changing and, and taking a bath to wearing some underwear. And that's how the movie ends, basically. Marie gets stripped down in that conversation. She gets broken down. And in that bathtub, she's like naked in the bathtub, right? Taking a bath. And the way he goes in on her, it's like so symbolic because she's, she looks so vulnerable in that moment. Vulnerable and sad. And he's just going in on her. Like, I mean, just going in. And I was like, this is nuts. Like any man who talks to you like that does not love you. He wants to control you. And he wants you to feel bad about yourself. And so just watching him do that and then saying that he loved her afterwards was just so sad. I'm like, no man should talk to you like that. Like no man should talk to you like you're a piece of shit. And the thing with Malcolm was that there were several times where like it felt like he wanted to, like he wanted to hurt her. He wanted to make her feel bad. You know, I don't know how to describe it to you, but sometimes you can tell when people just get off on it, they like it. Because they enjoy it too much. They're, they're doing too much. They're saying too much. They're going way too far. It didn't have to go that far. And so, you know, I, I just got to be honest. I think Malcolm went far. Now, I will say one thing that Marie did that I think codependents are definitely capable of doing is codependents want you to need them. Like they know that the narcissist can cut off their supply at any point in time. So they need to create a dependency. Like they want the, the narcissist in the relationship to depend and rely on them. So it was interesting because Marie criticized. She criticized Malcolm for saying that, you know, he was so needy. He was always so needy, constantly looking for her, constantly asking her questions and, and trying to get her feedback about his, his film that he was producing, right? But like Marie said and did things to directly insult his ability to be a good producer, a good director. She was saying things to undermine him, his own confidence in himself and his own potential and doubt himself. She was saying she was she didn't pull any punches. I'm not going to lie. She was she was also being kind of harsh. But I think the interesting thing is like her motivations are completely different because on one hand, she was criticizing him for being needy. And then she was creating a situation to where he didn't trust himself. So, you know, I, I see people do that a lot. People who are like super toxic, they will try to make you doubt yourself. They'll try to make you feel badly about yourself and feel like you can't trust your own decisions and choices and keep you second guessing your own potential and your own abilities so that they can fill in that void and they can be the thing that you need, you know? And usually codependents do this because they don't want you to leave them. They don't want you to, to, to find another source. So I, I noticed Marie did that several times. I thought that was super interesting, but not all that surprising. Um, so now that I've talked a little bit about the characters individually, I think the relationship as a whole is like very toxic. And yes, it, you know, the, that sort of, blowout argument is not something that most couples have it is an indicator due to the different behaviors that are displayed that 
it was not a good relationship. And both of those characters were really trapped in toxic cycles. The way they talked to each other, the way that they treated each other was not loving. It wasn't kind. It wasn't, it wasn't kind at all. It was just, this is for the money. And I think that they got together and trauma bonded. Um, and why is this important? I think it's important because when I say trauma bonds, I mean, it's when you meet someone and you go through a similar difficult time. Like typically you go through a life-changing or traumatic event together and then it creates this bond that you have with this person where you have a connection. And you can always go back to the to the first time y'all met or to the first connection and there's that initial trauma. And it sets a pattern for the rest of your relationship because now you can always revisit trauma and get that same spark of connection and friendship again. I've actually experienced this in my own life because, you know, I have um, trauma bonded with somebody before in college and that person I thought was my best friend. But all it really did was show that I really met this person when they were still getting over their own personal trauma and I was still dealing with my personal trauma. So Essentially, it wasn't like we were growing at the same rate at the same time and becoming better people. In a lot of ways, it felt like I was moving at warp speed, you know, getting therapy, uncovering certain things and truly learning about myself. And this person wasn't moving as fast. Now, normally that's not that bad. It's not an issue. It's just the problem was that at the end of the day, we didn't have much in common because I was growing so fast and becoming a vastly different person. I was getting therapy. I didn't feel the need to trauma bond anymore. I was slowly resolving my trauma and I realized I couldn't relate to that person anymore. Like that person didn't share my values. They weren't someone that I truly cared. I said that I didn't care about them. I just, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. And you know, there was a point where the person just didn't really respond to my text messages. And so I fell back. True story. But the whole point of me saying this is because I think that when you trauma bond with someone, it's less about you actually having values in common and, and compatible personalities and more about the context of situation that leads you to one another. So typically tra- people who trauma bond overshare and they tell each other intimate details. And usually a lot of them or all of them in the group have like traumatic experiences that you can both relate to and it bonds you and brings you together and I think that Malcolm and Marie because they had such a rocky start to their relationship at the beginning I think they trauma bonded and now that that part of their life where they struggle is over they don't have much in common you know what I'm saying like they've they've already struggled they've already you know triumphed and whatever and so now it's like what do y'all really have in common other than the trauma from when Marie was a completely different person. And I have to be honest, the way that Malcolm wielded that and you know threw it in her face was just so disrespectful and sad because it's like, y'all went through that trauma together and you're not even feeling the same pain that Marie is feeling by exposing that. You know? So yeah, I mean, as a couple, I just think that it was just, it was just very sad to watch. It was very sad to watch this group, this uh, couple, these two grown people argue like cats and dogs, just scrapping at each other, fighting each other. It made no sense. I think that, you know, generally speaking, I I, I do feel as though because as a couple, they had that age gap, 
there's a part of me that wonders if Malcolm was the type of guy to prey on insecure younger girls. Because there's some some things that he said in the dialogue that make me wonder, like, is he the type of man who just, you know, intentionally looks for girls to find and, and you know, takes advantage of them, honestly? Because that's how I feel like Marie was. Marie just wanted to be loved. Marie just wanted love and she was young. And so when this older guy promises her that, he promises her the opportunity to finally be loved. I think she realizes that she she hates it now because essentially they got together when she was young, young. And so now that she's older, she sees all these red flags and all these things wrong with Malcolm. But where else is Marie going to go? So before I get off this episode and I wrap up, I do want to talk about how this show was perceived. Um, I think that there were some problems with the film, you know, in terms of like just basic film stuff. So, you know, there, for example, there was a thing where Sam Levinson, it kind of felt like he was pushing his own agenda through the dialogue. Like it felt less like the dialogue was, um, that it was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? natural and organic to the character and more like Sam Levinson had something to say and he was using the characters as a mouthpiece. Didn't like that. That's just not very good. Um, But also I feel like a lot of the responses to the film have been critiquing Sam Levinson because of the way that he wrote some of the parts, like some of the things that he said in the script. It just didn't make much sense to people. I also saw some of the responses that, you know, and this is what bothered me. Some people made it seem like Malcolm and Marie were meant to love each other and that, you know, if there was a baby involved, how would they act and behave? And I thought that was super weird. I was like, y'all, these these people literally fought for two hours or so. What makes you think they're going to have a kid and live together? What makes you think they should continue on being together? You know what I'm saying? I just found that so interesting that people were romanticizing it and saying that, well, Malcolm and Marie, they had their faults, but at the end of the day, they love each other so much. Like, what? They loved each other so much and their love supersedes everything, even the flaws they have in the relationship. Bruh, that's not love. That's codependency. That's not okay. So I don't know. It was weird to see a few people romanticize it. And these tweets, you know, they got a substantial amount of, of, of circulation. So there's a, there's a good amount of people who were romanticizing that union. And it feels weird to me. It doesn't feel genuine. So that being said, that's pretty much most of what I have to talk about as it pertains to um, Malcolm and Marie. I think generally speaking, it was kind of, tra- not I wouldn't say traumatic or triggering. It was just reminding me of how far I've come and the type of toxic relationship that I've been in and it reminds me of what I'm not looking for. You know what I'm saying? Like, I at this point, I kind of just do my own thing. But I will say that if I'm looking for a partner, there are some things that I saw in this film that I would definitely look for because they're red flags, you know? Um, and maybe I'll talk about that in another episode about red flags that you can look for from men that can tell you a whole lot about his personality or character. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I appreciate you so much. It's always nice when you guys support me. Like I mentioned before, feel free to rate this episode five stars or rate the podcast five stars because you loved us 
that much. Once again, thank you so much. And I will see you guys in the next episode.